Developing Tomorrow's Leaders is a podcast that is all about educating, supporting, and inspiring the next generation of leaders. Teens today face many challenges such as depression, suicide, bullying, lack of trust, and others. They need a village of supporters that can guide, direct, and lead them on that path to success. Your host, Antoine Thompson, or Coach T, has over 35 years experience of educating, supporting, inspiring, and enhancing the lives of many young men and women. Join Coach T and his village of inspiration. Hello, this is Coach T, and welcome to Developing Tomorrow's Leaders. Uh, My guest today began his career in the spoken word in 1993. He's affectionately called the godfather of Canadian spoken words by his peers. Um, He's the author of 14 published and nine audio collections of his work. In 2013, he was inducted to the Scarborough Walk of Fame and to date has shared his work in 18 countries internationally. He's a recipient of the Harry Jerome Award, the African Canadian Achievement Award, three Canadian Urban Music Awards, and has appeared on the Legacy Black History Month poster. And in 2014, the Ontario Black History Society honored his career achievements on the official Black History Month poster. Please help me welcome Dwayne Morgan to Developing Tomorrow's Leaders. Wow, that is impressive. How are you doing today, Dwayne? I, I, I am excellent. I am excellent. Happy to be here. Yes, yes. Well, listen, you are probably one of the most accomplished guests I've had on here so far. So I'm very honored that you've taken the time, take time out of your busy schedule to be on here. And I'm really excited to have you on because number one, your work with young people, obviously, your spoken word really relates to everybody, both children and adults. And I think that that's something I want you to share as well. Um, is there anything you want to add to that bio that I may have left out because it is so such a long list and I noticed more there to it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we're we're good there. Probably in, in the conversation, some other stuff might might come up, but I've never really been, you know, that big on the things that I've done. It's always a matter of what's what's now and what what's happening now. Exactly. Because once it's over, it's done, it's time to move on to something bigger and better, correct? Absolutely. Yes, yes. Well, one of the things I definitely wanted us to talk about is, is something that I'm really passionate about, and, and my work it involves this, and that's empowering young people mm-hmm. uh, to be the best versions of themselves, not just today, but for tomorrow as well. And we'd love to get your insight on that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the last uh, 25 years, I've been uh, working with school boards, um, just going into schools and, and talking with young people about the the, the power of you know, shaping their lives around things that they are passionate about. And the the fact that, you know, life is a reflection of the choices that we make. It's, it's very easy for a lot of young people to be conditioned and socialized to believe that life is imposed upon you and that they have no say in what happens in life. And the reality is we have a lot of say. And there's a lot of choices that we make and we, we don't even realize some of the, the choices that we make. So, you know, some of the, um, the young people that I'll talk to and, and meet with, they might, you know, live in certain environments that have, you know, a very, you know, negative reputation and think that they have no choice. But, you know, if you believe that where you're from and who you are is the same thing, that's a choice that you have made. 
Um, so breaking it down for them, you know, how these minute choices that we make dictate how we see ourselves, how we see our potential, what we think we're able to do, um, really allows them to uh, take hold of their lives and gain a bit more responsibility in terms of the choices that they're making and how their life then reflects those choices. No, I think you're 100% right. And I love that analogy about, you know, what their circumstances are does not have to define what their futures will be. And when that's all that you see and that's all that you hear, that's all you think there is for you. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's also why it's so important that diversity in kids' lives is important as well so that they can step outside of that environment sometimes and see what other people are going through so that they can recognize that in fact, there are choices that they can make to separate themselves from maybe that potential negative impact at home or, or, or that environment. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely, that's, that's totally true. And I think, you know, I, I try to encourage young people it's difficult with all the technology, but I try to get them to read as much as possible because, I mean, that's that's one way to to really imagine. Like reading is all about imagining because as you read a sentence, you have to imagine the characters. You have to imagine what is happening. So, you know, we have so many young people that I meet who only read captions on Instagram. And I'm like, that's that's not going to do it. You got to you got to exercise your brain. You know, what I mean, we talk about. Um, you know, going to the gym and all this stuff, but what are we really doing in terms of mental exercise and really challenging our brains to be able to imagine? Because if you don't learn how to imagine, then how do you imagine for yourself? How do you even create a vision for yourself of who you can be and what you can do if you don't even know how to imagine? And we, we send our children into a, a school system that doesn't teach them how to imagine, to, to imagine after kindergarten or grade one, you stop playing, you stop experimenting. And then it becomes about memorizing and, and how good can you regurgitate what this teacher has said, not here is a thing, imagine what can be done with this thing. So when I watch shows like, you know, Shark Tank and, and these kinds of things, and you see there's people actually imagining solutions to what they think the world could need like that is such a, a great gift for young people to understand the power of imagination but so many of them are conditioned uh to not even know how to imagine yeah i actually do an experiment with when i experiment but i guess you can call it an exercise with uh, a lot of the kids i work with and i pose what i call the thought-provoking questions mm. and when what's interesting is I had a group of about 14 or 15 of them. And one of the questions I posed to them, if you could have one superpower and one superpower, what would it be? And, you know, and why? Well, you can imagine what the first responses were, right? I want to be the richest or I want to be the strongest person or this, that, and the other thing. Well, as other kids started listening to those answers, they started thinking more. And by the time we got to the end, the answers weren't about how to be better, stronger, faster, or anything like that. It was like, how could they help other people? They want to be in a position to help other people. Mm -hmm. So I think that ties into what you're talking about, giving, putting kids in a situation where they actually get to think and be creative with their answers. And they're probably going, wow, that question made me think, but I had time to think about it. So I was able to come up with something that was beneficial, not only to myself, but to other people. Well, I think I'm in, there's something very valuable that you just said. And, um, you know, I was at a, a conference a couple of years ago and, and the person was talking about, um, you know, the speed that technology is, is going at. And we look at, you know, whether it's you're on your phone 
and you decide how quickly do you decide if I like this post or not to hit the like button. If you're playing a video game, how quickly do you decide what you're going to do, where you're going to aim, all these kinds of things. So the the generation uh, coming up right now is being forced to make choices at a speed that the human brain isn't even used to and, and can't compute at. And right. then when we're not doing social media and when we're not playing video games, we're still trying to make choices at that kind of warp speed. And it doesn't allow you the time to think, to reflect, to ask yourself, hey, how do I feel about this? So many of our young people are just making these quick, fast decisions without taking the time to actually reflect and think about, you know, the, the same kind of scenario that you just put forward. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's one of the drawbacks of the world that we live in because everything is moving at this, this warp speed, but the human brain has not evolved to the point to, to, to work at its best at that speed. We actually need time to reflect and to think and to process and to weigh out pros and cons and all of these kinds of things, not just decide in a moment. Yeah. Not that this is really the, the place we can go into it, but as you're describing that, first thing I'm thinking about, you mentioned earlier about how schools don't really put kids in position to think themselves and, and being put in those critical thinking moments. And then I take the scenario you just described, it's almost like you're booking ending them, you know, you're not letting them think, and then you're giving stuff so fast they can't think. Mm -hmm. So now you're bottlenecking them into this one little area. And I think that this is one of those things that leads them down these roads of uncertainty and confusion and mm -hmm. not really knowing. And I think technology, yes, as good as it can be, if you give them too much too soon, they don't get to enjoy the benefits of it and know what they can learn from it because there's always something new coming out. So they never really get the opportunity to evolve with that transition or that process. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, um, this is also where elements of, you know, class and privilege and a lot of these things also come in because if you have the money to send your children to a private school in a private school you have time to think you have time to imagine it's built into how the education happens they give you things that you have to think and and problem solve and that sort of thing whereas in the public educational system there's so many kids crammed in a classroom one teacher trying to figure out how do i get all these different learnings uh, styles to, to pass and, and get out of my, my class so that we know rinse and repeat for next year, that what we're actually doing is so we're creating in the public school system, the class of students who are going to be the workers and the employees of those who actually have the time to think and imagine. And you can actually see how that works and, and, and goes through, through life. And then when you look at stories like, you know, Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and these people who were like, school was getting in the way of my imagination. School was getting in the way of the things that I wanted to create and give to the world because they always grew up imagining things and experimenting with things and playing with things. And then they've shaped the world that we live in as a result of that. So we see the value in having that, but not everyone can afford to have that kind of time. Ah, you just described this scenario, an environment that I'm in. I actually coach at a private school, been mm. there for 10 years, and you described exactly what these kids get. 
Exactly, to the T. And you can see it in their development. Mm-hmm. The kids that interact with, um, with, with my nonprofit have kids that are from public schools and private schools. And you can just tell. And I'd love to give you a quick example. There's a kid that was on my team this year and an eighth grader, not talented uh, athletically, but smart. Mm-hmm. And so we go through practice and we go through eight inbound plays, same set, eight different options in it, if you will. So we go through that in about 15 minutes and have everybody go through it. And the kids take a quick break and he comes up to him and he says, coach, um, I have a whiteboard at home. Would you mind if I drew up the inbounds plays and sent it to the rest of the team? I'm going, yeah, I'd love for you to do that. But, you know, that quick example of being in that environment is always has his wheels turning, always has Mm -hmm. him thinking. By the time I got home, he had sent that to everybody on the team and had it perfectly done on all of those. But I just wanted to share, that's a perfect example of what you're talking about, being put in that position to be able to do that, to think, to grow, to experiment, and then to apply. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and the unfortunate thing is that, you know, there's a lot of parents who can't afford to give that to their students. And there's a lot of uh, you know, burdens on the school system, on teachers to, you know, just try to do the best that they can for these kids. And it just ends up being a, a one size fits all kind of, of recipe, you know, school system. My job, you know, going in and working with young people is to show them that even if you're not in that environment, here are some ways that you can still actualize some of the benefits that other young people get from being in those environments taking the time to read, to train your imagination, you know, because again, it forces you to just sit there and contemplate and think and see things in your head and imagine, right? And I, you know, I say to kids all the time, it's it's one thing to have, you know, a profile on Instagram. It's another thing to sit there and say, the world needs Instagram. Those are two completely different thoughts because one create something that never existed before. And the other is just consuming somebody else's imagination. So at all times, we have to be asking ourselves, well, are we, you know, producers or consumers? Are we giving to the world or just consuming what other people have given to the world? And all of us have gifts or, and talents that we can give to the world. We just don't always know how to harness them, how to find them, how to use them, how to market them, all of these kinds of things. So, you know, the work that I do with young people is, is never to have the, all of the answers, but to have all of the right questions to ask them to hopefully get them thinking down that path. And in your experience with doing that, how quickly do you see not necessarily results, but an, a peak in interest when you really start sharing this with them? Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to say for me because a lot of the stuff that I do is like, I come in, I speak, I'm gone, right? So for me, the, the pressure is how am I able to articulate this in a way that in one hour, they can get something that they can connect to their lives. So in the immediate, I don't see it. Sometimes the teachers will email me and say, hey, this one kid really took to what you said. Earlier this year, I met a a guy, he's in his 20s or so now, and he came up to me and he said, you know, when I was in grade eight, you came to my school and you said some things that put me on the path to where I'm at now. And I've never seen you before. And I just wanted to thank you. And I'm like, Hey, this is, that's what it's all about. So, you know, I'm sure that there are many other young people who have very similar stories, um, you know, that I just kind of 
help to spark an idea or a realization or getting them to see, hey, wait a minute, you know, why am I limiting myself in this kind of way? And then they're, they, they just choose to go out there and start to do something. So I'm pretty sure there's probably a lot more people like that young man that came up to me. I have a story similar to what you just described. There's a young man I coached, actually, it was 36 years ago, just about six months ago, reaches out to me to tell me that uh, I had a, a, such a positive impact on his life. And I'm like, okay. So I find out who the kid is. And I remember every team, every player. I mean, I could picture that kid and know who they were and all that good stuff. So I knew right away when I saw the name, and he wasn't a starter, wasn't a star player or anything, but I knew he was a kid that was on a team. So we have the conversation, and the reason he reaches out to me is his his 15-year-old son is going through some things with his coach, and you know, he he was having a conversation with his son about it and how to deal with it. And he said he literally uh, started smiling. He goes, I was citing things that you shared with me when I was a freshman, 14 years old, mm-hmm. and you know, it's something that cared, and I just wanted to make sure you under, you, you knew how much of an impact you had. And, you know, I can, I told, I know you probably can relate to this. Just that one accomplishment is worth the work, the time, the effort, and the commitment when you know that it carries that long. I mean, mm-hmm. this young man, you're talking about 20 years old. So 10 years from now, 15 years from now, if he sees you, he's going to still be able to recognize you and be able to thank you again. Absolutely. The other thing I, I wanted you to share a little bit about is gender equality. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's, um, I do a lot of work around, um, you know, power and privilege and, and, and this kind of stuff. And I think, you know, as a black man, um, you know, who speaks a lot about, um, how black people are treated. One of the things that I also have to do is I have to recognize in which parts of my life do I have power because I'm not just a victim. Right. And for all of us, there, there might be parts of our lives where, you know, we're victimized because of our identity and other parts where we have power. So, you know, while there might be hurdles I have to jump because I'm Black, I understand there are advantages I have because I'm a man. So what I have to do is I have to use my power to try to elevate women as much as possible, because through doing so, I can better show how people who aren't black should be advocating for people who are black. So it's not just about me going and saying, hey, you guys should be, you know, allies and this and that, but it's about, no, here is me recognizing that in this aspect of my life, I have power and privilege and I'm going to use it to try to elevate women. So I have a spoken word concert that I've done for 20 years now. And it's um, poets from Canada and the States every year, one, one night a year. And all of the artists are Black women. I don't perform a thing on that stage. That stage is only for women to speak about whatever it is they need to say. Been doing that 20 years, long before the Me Too movement and all this kind of stuff. I recognized the need to create space you know, for women, for I do so many things for, you know, female artists creating space for them. I always in the events that I produce, try to make sure that there's female representation uh, in there as well. You know, I have children's books advocating for, you know, for girls to, to, to imagine things. And, and I'm also the father of a daughter. And I, I started this stuff before she was born. But now I have someone who's uh, a direct beneficiary 
of the work that I am doing. So I think it is really important that every single person figure out where in my life do I have power and privilege and how can I use that power and privilege to do good for others? Uh, I love that. And, and knowing that you are in a position to be able to do that and to the extent that you do, I love that. Because it it can't always just about, I need, I need, I need. It's really about, okay, but what are the places where you are empowered, right? And right. the thing is, when you also realize that there are aspects of your life that you are empowered, it changes because nobody can just have a victim mindset when you realize that, wait a minute, here are some areas where I have power. So then you have to choose, well, am I powerful or am I victim? And then you realize that that is a choice now I'm going to make every single day. I'm going to choose, am I the victim or am I powerful? And that is a, a, a huge choice that we make probably subconsciously on a daily basis, but it dictates how we walk through the world, how we treat people, how we see things, where we see opportunity. And and again, it's one of those small, seemingly insignificant choices that we make on a daily basis, but it has huge uh, ramifications for what happens to us um, throughout our lives. Any and everybody listening to this podcast are in a position to do just what you and I just been talking about. They can be in a position to provide their, utilize their power to, to provide opportunities for young people, boys, girls, black, white, green, purple, Asian, whatever nationality. We, they all have the ability and opportunity to do that. There's so much discussion about these young people, this, these young people are lazy. They're not this, they're not that. There's too much dialogue about what's negative about them, but there's not enough dialogue about what we as leaders and every one of us that are adults have our leaders. It's what we choose to do with our position of leadership mm-hmm. and not enough people step up and apply that. So that's one of the reasons I wanted to have, have you talk briefly about that. There's always going to be hurdles that we have to overcome, but I always say the pursuit of excellence transcends all of the hurdles, transcends you being black, transcends you being woman, transcends you being gay, that pursuit of excellence, no matter how somebody wants to try to stop you from achieving something, if you are solely focused on your excellence in that thing, there is nobody out there that can stop you from achieving that thing. It, it's just, it just doesn't work. Yep. And it's that talk goes back to attitude, attitude, attitude. I saw I talk so much about that word. And it's the one thing that I think is a foundation for what you just said, but also about anything that young people are trying to achieve to do. If they say something's hard, guess what? It's hard. But you change your attitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is a positive attitude won't solve all your problems, but it will annoy enough people to make it worth the effort. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I love that one. We actually have blistered through us. One other thing we wanted to talk about, we didn't get a chance to, but guess what? That just leaves the door open for me to have you back. So there's one, two things I wanted to ask you before we uh, part ways. One is, uh, is there something that you're working on that you'd like to share with our listeners? I'm actually working, I'm launching a new event in in August here in Toronto. And I find, you know, as we get older, there are few and fewer events, you know, to go to that are, you know, that are mature, that you can dress up where nobody died. So it's uh, the, the, the event is called the reception and what it is, it's a wedding reception with no bride, no groom, no speeches, just everything else. Everything oh, else that you love about a wedding 
that's what we're doing. Uh, just, you know, without the bridegroom and, and, and the speeches. So working behind the scenes, getting that together uh, right now. And, and the hope is to make that like an annual summer thing that people can look forward to. So yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the, the next thing that I have on the stove that I'm cooking up. That's it. That's a great concept. Actually, I love that. Thank you. The reception. I like that. I like that. And my uh, final question, person that's influenced you the most and why in your life? Um, probably would have to be my grandmother. You know, she's just one of those people like, you You know, when when she was alive, you would just look at her and be like, like, what era are you from? Like, this, this doesn't even make sense. You know what I mean? Like things that you would see growing up, like, you know, she refused to use a microwave and just would heat things up on, on the stove and, and things that, you know, like catch mice and just take them off the trap and throw them outside. And, you know, we're here all squeamish and stuff. And like, she came to this country with absolutely nothing. And until she passed away, gave everything that she had uh, to other people, you know, she, she was a, a church woman and, they would open up the church and, and every Thursday just make food and feed the community. Anybody could walk in and just get uh, a meal to eat. And she just really taught me how to give and that the greatest joy is in giving and you get the most from giving. Um, and I think that is something that, that just makes me want to give every day. And I'm just always looking for where can I give, where can I be of service? Who can I help, uh, in some kind of way. And I don't always, there's so many things that I've done and people that I've helped and people will never know about it. And that's totally okay because you you don't help for the accolades. You don't help because people are going to say, oh yeah, Dwayne helped. No, you just help because you can, because there's joy in helping. And, you know, if you see somebody else manifest some things, then you're just like, yeah, well, I played a small part in that. And that's awesome. I don't need any kind of accolades. I don't need my name attached to it. It's just they and I know that I had a small part in that. And that's perfect. I love that. And that's exactly the way I live. What I do It's not about getting praise. It's uh, seeing people benefit from what you do is more worth any recognition. Mm-hmm. in anything that you do. So I love that. And your grandmother obviously sounds like she was an amazing person. And um, I want to thank you again, Dwayne, real quick. If you want to share a couple of ways that people can uh, reach out to you, if they want to find out more about you or, and your events, the reception. I, this one, I'm going to definitely stay on tune. I really love that. I really do. Yeah, no brown, no problem. So I think, yeah. So DwayneMorgan.ca, D-W-A-Y-N-E-M-O-R-G-A-N.ca or on Twitter or Instagram, it's Dwayne underscore Morgan, also TikTok as well. So Dwayne underscore Morgan on those three, and you'll get to me. Well, Dwayne, thank you so much. And I really appreciate you taking the time, dropping knowledge, nuggets, and upcoming events and all that good stuff like that. And, and like I said, I, I would love to have you back on if you will accept sure. that invitation. Awesome. Anytime. Great. Well, I'm Coach T, and as always, I'm here to educate motivate and support as well as inspire the leaders of tomorrow. Take care. Coach T's new book, The Ultimate Guide to Success for Preteens and Teens, is the perfect resource for preteen and teen personal growth and development skills. It breaks down in detail his SEA of Success program and its applications in 10 key development areas. The program applies Coach T's three key components, simplicity, effort, and attitude. 
It includes some of his success stories, as well as former and current student testimonials. Order your copy today on Amazon. Available in paperback and hardback.